everybody is a victim. Nobody escapes life without experiencing hurt from others. Everyone who is listening to this podcast has been hurt by somebody. And you have hurt someone, at least one person in your life. The real question is not whether someone has hurt you, but how are you responding with humility to God so you're not controlled by what has happened to you? Welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. You can find me in my cyber home, rickthomas.net. I am there. I'm waiting for you. We have a team of folks that are waiting for you. If you have any questions about life and godliness, situational difficulty, personal challenge, relational opportunity, ask your questions. We have public forums for those that are not supporting our ministry, and then we have private forums for the supporters. Either one, jump on the forums. Ask your questions. We are there, waiting, ready to serve you. The title of this podcast is The Natural Regression of a Woman. I want to give you a case study about a person born in a home and then because of poor parenting. She was worse off when she became a teenager than when she was born. And then she married a guy. Years later, she's even worse off than when she was as a teenage than what she was as a teenager. I call it the natural regression of a woman. I have an infographic in this podcast that you can look at. It actually draws it out for you. It would be helpful for you to look at it, and it will be instructive. You can also read this article if you want to, this podcast. It is on our website, rickthomas.net, Natural Regression of a Woman. I would encourage you to read it. Use it as a study. It would be fantastic for you disciplers to share this with someone that you are helping, because if you are a discipler, then you know somebody like this, and this will help them, the natural regression of a woman. I'm going to bring Mabel to you. She's my fictional case study hero, Mabel and Biff. I talk about them all the time. Let me tell you a little story about that. I had a a lady, I used to use Bill and Mary all the time as my fictional case studies. And a lady told me one time, she said, why do you use Bill and Mary? Those names are, I don't remember exactly what she said. Like those names are archaic, run of the mill. No offense to all the Bill, Bills and Marys who are listening to this podcast, but you've got an old name. And I told the lady that actually that's my dad and my mom's name that she was embarrassed and that was not my intent to embarrass her but I thought I would use Bill and Mary because I get emails regularly on occasion people will write and say hey you're reading my mail or you have a video a camera rather in in my home you're obviously watching me because uh, that story is my story or they just write and say you couldn't have have described my life more effectively. Do you know me? Some version of that. I, I, I've gotten that for 10 years now. And so I thought I would just use Bill and Mary because that's my dad and my mom's names. And I figured that would be safe. And then she told me it was old. And so my friend Chris in, in Canada suggested Biff. And I think I came up with Mabel. 
And so I began using Biff and Mabel. That seems to be safe. And if your name happens to be Biff, I apologize. Or Mabel is not about you, so don't make it about you. But I want to bring Biff and Mabel in, and I want to talk about this idea of the natural regression of a woman. Did you know every year we reach hundreds of thousands of lives globally? We do. This year, we will reach over one million individuals with the practical gospel of Jesus Christ. We help these people by providing practical tools and ongoing training for effective living. That is our mission statement. Through the written resources that we provide, the audio broadcasts that you listen to, equipping videos that people watch in our interactive forums, the Lord is impacting lives through this ministry. Will you partner with us to help continue this fantastic gospel adventure? You may donate or you may become a supporting member of our community by going to our website, rickthomas.net. For as little as $5 each month, you can provide practical tools for hurting souls. You can help people. If you are a local church, will you support our missional endeavors around the world? Take us on monthly or annually and help us to continue to reach not only the souls that God is reaching through this ministry, but millions more. Whatever you can give to help this ministry will change lives. Thank you. Mabel celebrated her 47th birthday today. Birthdays like anniversaries tend to stir up the Wayback Machine, and so it did for Mabel as she spent most of her morning reflecting way back on her life, what it was like then. While there were many highlights and bright spots, there was also this low-grade sadness as Mabel thought about where she came from and, and how she had gotten to where she is today. She could not help but think about the number of years ahead of her while shrugging off the temptation of depression as, as she did the math in her head. 47 years old today plus 47 more years equals 94, no doubt. According to her accounting, her life was more than half over, and she wondered if the remaining years would be like the preceding ones. She had dreamed a dream of how her life would be different than she awoke, realizing it was only a dream. She's like a lot of women that I interact with in counseling. Mabel has been affected by the three most important men in her life, all of whom have shaped her to varying degrees. Man number one, she was born in Adam, and we know how that went. Sin came upon all people, as Paul taught us in Romans 5.12. She came into the world fallen, broken, incomplete, Adamic, as we say theologically, she was born in Adam. Man number two, her dad was a passive father. Man number three, she married a disinterested husband. His name is Biff. The combination of these three men has affected her to the point of bitterness and unforgiveness. They have also hindered her from finding the fourth man, the only one who can make her complete. 
The goal for every person is to find completion in Christ. This perspective, this worldview, this presupposition is the teaching of Colossians 1.28, where you could read the word mature as complete. Listen to what Paul said in 128 Colossians. He says, him we proclaim. The him here is Jesus Christ. We proclaim Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Or you could say the word mature, you could read the word mature as complete. And so if you were to draw a circle that looked like Pac-Man, you know what Pac-Man is? Pac-Man is a circle with a piece missing out of it, and that is how we all come into the world. Now, I have a graphic here that kind of looks like Pac-Man, and it illustrates our incompleteness at birth. We hobble along as we roll down the street, clunkety-clunk-clunk, because we are incomplete. There is a peace missing out of all our all of our lives. We're born in Adam as broken, incomplete people in need of restoration that comes through regeneration by the power of God. I mentioned this verse earlier, Romans 5:12. Just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Mabel came into the world incomplete, broken, needy. She was born as a living, breathing deficit, an empty love cup. There was something wrong with her that only God could fix. That's the first man up on the stage, and he affected her horribly, just as he has affected me and affected you. Then we have the second man, reared by dad. A wise parent understands their child's incompleteness. They realize how their most important job as parents is to cooperate with the Lord by leading the child to Jesus. Providing food, clothing, and shelter are essential, but they are subordinate to their primary job It's almost as the father takes the hand of the child and and puts it in the anthropomorphic hand of God. You are the coupler, the connector that leads the child to God. The father is the leader in this excellent parenting adventure. Though only Christ can redeem, only Christ can make whole, a dad cannot do that. But the dad becomes the primary shaping influence in a child's life. It is his job to set this kind of Godward orientation in the home. Now, with those thoughts in your mind, if you are a dad, I have a few questions for you to consider and for me to consider as well. Dad, how are you doing in pointing your child or your children if you have more than one? to Jesus. How are you doing with that? What things are you doing that hinder them from getting to Jesus? Are they moving toward Jesus or farther from Jesus? 
finally, how are you cooperating with God to help your child overcome his or her brokenness in Adam? Each child is, is broken uniquely. I like to say we are totally depraved, but we are uniquely depraved as well. It is the parent's responsibility, and I'm not saying that the mom has no responsibility, but the dad is the one that leads the family. And so I'm focusing on the three primary men in Mabel's life, as I title this, the natural regression of a woman. You can take this podcast and the article on the website and apply it very well uh, to a boy, and you could apply it very well to a mom and her responsibility in the parenting process. But as you see with Mabel, you remember the Pac-Man picture that I illustrated, the graphic that I have here in, in this article? Mabel had a little piece missing, and after she was reared by her daddy, the little Adamic piece was wider Mabel's circle regressed rather than progressed. It did not move toward closure, toward completeness, but the gap got wider. The word regression can mean heading toward a less developed state of being. That's a good definition for the word regression. It's why I used it. It's why I called the podcast The Natural Regression of a Woman. Mabel's dad is leading her toward a less developed state of being. Mabel came into the world incomplete, and after 18 years with her parents, she was worse off than when she came into their family. I've said that about my own self. When I was 15 years old, I was in jail. I was worse off as a 15-year-old than when I was born the first time as an infant. Now, I am not blaming my father for that. I'm just speaking of a reality. My dad and my mom were horrible parents. They did a poor job in rearing their their five boys. And by the time I was 15, I was in jail. And many of you know the stories, and I won't get into that, but I was worse off. The gap or the distance between me and God was greater when I was 15 than when I was born in Adam initially. Ultimately, for Mabel, her parents did not help her to Jesus. They became a liability to her instead of an asset. They obstructed her path by poor parenting practices. Just like Adam, they they chose to do their thing rather than cooperate with God in the salvation and sanctification of their daughter. Now, no question, they can't save their daughter, but they shouldn't get in the way. In fact, they should facilitate. They should fan the flame. They should help the child to get to God, even though ultimately it is between Mabel and God, and I think you all know that. By the time Mabel transitioned to her teenage years, she had checked out as she counted the days until she could leave her home. Disappointed by Adam, And disappointed by her parents, she was looking for someone else to give her what she craved. Whenever you widen a person's Adamic tendencies like Mabel's were, the chances of them desiring God or thinking about God as the right solution for their problems becomes more difficult to accept. If her parents had a desire to know and 
and love God most of all, as we learn in Matthew 22, the two great commandments. The first one is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second one is attached to that, to love your daughter, to love Mabel more than yourself. If, if they had a desire to do those things, which would have been evidenced by their authentic modeling of the life of Christ, the chances would have been higher for Mabel to look to Jesus first rather than choosing other fallen solutions, which were not solutions at all. Because she was worse off as a teenager than when she came into this world, the compass of her heart pointed in the wrong direction. Specifically, she was looking for boys to fill the void in her life, to rescue her. Mabel first began to notice boys when she was 14. It would be better to say that they took notice of her because she was an attractive teenager. Not knowing and not understanding the love of God while being unwittingly pushed away from God by the poor examples of her parents, finding love through boys made sense to her. Her parental, her, her parental problem, this issue that I'm describing with Mabel's parents, it also made her easy prey for boys. Adam disappointed her, strike one. Dad disappointed her, strike two. Mabel was desperate not to strike out in the game of life. The solution was for her to find the right guy. Enter Biff. The third man in her life, Adam failed her, Dad failed her. Here's Biff. She met him in college. He seemed to be different from all the other men that she had met, especially her dad. No doubt Biff's job was made easy by Mabel's father, meaning Mabel was an easy catch. She was set up. She was easy prey. Being Christianized did not change her blindness from Adamic and parental influences. Don't think being a Christian will give you objectivity when it comes to picking the guy and your motivations for picking the guy. But she was also blinded by her selfish desire to be loved by someone. That's the lack of objectivity. Anyone. Will somebody love me? Within six months of meeting Biff, they were having sex. She rationalized the fornication as someone finally loving and and wanting her. It never crossed her mind that if a man would crawl over God's word to get a woman in the sack and defraud her, that he had character flaws. Mabel's thoughts were a mess as her desires ran wild. The fires of lust were raging with no chance of abating. And then, the first year of marriage officially extinguished the fire. And Mabel was left looking at the charred remains of her poor decision-making. Biff was not what she had made herself believe him to be. He was just like Adam. He was just like her dad. Just another iteration. Different, but the same. A big disappointment. The three primary men in her life pushed her farther from the Lord. The natural regression of Mabel was complete. 
Rather than finding wholeness in life, the void in her soul could not have been more extensive. Now, it's at this juncture is where you must be careful. The temptation would be to make Mabel a a full-fledged victim in our story. Mabel is not unique. She is representative of every person who has ever been born in Adam. She is a victim like we all are victims of the fall. It's why I led the podcast this way. Everyone is a victim. Nobody escapes life without experiencing hurt from others. The real question is not whether someone has hurt you, but how are you responding with humility to God so you're not controlled by what has happened to you? And that is where we are in this podcast. Everybody is a victim, and we must be careful. Not only is she a victim, but she's a culpable victim, or what I call a sinning victim. This tension is where Mabel must guard her heart if she wants to pull out of this lousy life pattern that has that was born out of self-serving and angry decisions. Her sourness toward life could exacerbate her problems. I see this all the time. The victim card is the biggest card on the table that some people play. Now, as a discipler, you do not want to dismiss the victim card. Don't dismiss it. Don't downplay it. Don't trivialize it. Don't marginalize it. Don't pretend it doesn't exist. Acknowledge it. Affirm it. Yes, amen. You have been hurt by the three men in your life. But she can't play the victim card. If she chooses to continue to play the victim card, she will continue her entanglements in the same sinful choices that Adam, her dad, and Biff have made and continue to make her dad and and Biff. No matter how far you are from God or how you got there, the process of finding God is the same for all of us. If she lets unforgiveness, bitterness, self-pity, anger, self-righteousness, or self-reliance rule her heart, her disappointment will continue. At any point in her life, she could have chosen Christ over selfishness. This is why I can't be angry at my dad. Oh, I could sit in jail at 15, and I could give you a story of how I got there, and that story will be wrapped up in my dad's failures. But the truth is, I made choices I can't stand before God and say the reason I made sinful choices is because of all the people in my life, specifically my father. Rather than changing her life course, she she pursued self-fulfillment through ungodly means. I did the same thing. How she thinks about and reacts to her current situation could further enslave her or it could be the impetus that slings her back around toward the Lord. The only way for this to happen is if she will give up her pursuit of trying to self-satisfy her Adamic cravings. Mabel cannot trust Adam. Mabel will not trust her dad. Mabel does not want to trust Biff. 
but she is still tempted to trust herself, not realizing that she's no different from them. Don't trust Adam to do right by you. Don't trust your dad to do right by you. Don't trust your husband to do right by you. And don't trust yourself to do right by you. Thinking we are different from the other fallen people in our lives is a common mistake that people make. We're all cut from the same Adamic cloth. The mistakes of Adam, Dad, Biff are no different, in essence, from the ones Mabel has made. All four of them have chosen an anti-God path. She chose to sleep with Biff. She chose to disrespect her dad. She chose to find fulfillment through other means than God. She chose to think only of herself rather than seeking to make God's name great. She is as selfish as the primary men in her life. Yes, she is a victim. Don't downplay it. Don't trivialize it. Don't marginalize it. And yes, she is culpable, the sinning victim. Now it's up to her as to whether she wants to do something different from the three leading men in her life. She's being called to do what they would not do for her. She's in a place where she can break away from them by choosing a different path, a better man than them. And we know who that man is. Holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who is faithful to him who appointed him. This is Hebrews 3, and you can read the first six verses. I would encourage you to do that, Hebrews 3, 1 through 6. The good news is that she has the prerogative to choose Christ. There is no excuse not to accept Jesus. She cannot plead ignorance. Her temptation will be to play the, brick, the victim card, a mask individuals wear to justify why they do not choose to follow the Lord. And by the way, those of you who are listening to this podcast, you are a victim too. Everyone is a victim. Everyone was born in Adam. Imperfect parents rear all children. If you're married, you married an imperfect person too. The real question is whether we believe our past and present circumstances are more significant than the empowering grace of God that he holds out to anyone who will call on him for help. It's hard for some people to understand and apply this truth. The reality of being fallen while living among fallen people can be challenging to practicalize. You can gauge how well you are accepting this truth by how you talk about what has happened to you. Either your problems rule your thoughts or Christ does. The men in Mabel's life have been more significant to her than Christ. As you pull back the curtain of her heart, you begin to see why this is so. Sinful desires have captured her. There are things she wants, and she's determined not to be happy until she gets them. And she feels justified to crave a particular kind of life. Her temptation is to keep changing her context, to keep changing her relationships until she lands on her version of utopia. By the way, the word utopia means no place. It doesn't exist. 
True happiness comes through Christ alone rather than the mirages of happiness that we see in our world. It is our sense of entitlement that keeps us fixated on those things, and we see people as our most significant hindrances to giving us what we want. The counterintuitive message of the gospel cuts against the grain of proud hearts. Nobody can keep you from Christ if you want Christ. The deep, dark secret in Mabel's heart is she does not desire Christ more than she wants her idea of happiness. This this issue keeps her ensconced in a victim's mindset, a card she knows how to play well. She does not understand how what she has done to Christ transcends anything, everything others did to her. The crazy part is how Christ is willing to love her anyway, in spite of her sins against him. The liberated person is actually more aware of what he or she did to Christ, and they are more stunned by his incomprehensible love for them. This biblical truth brings you to the right place for self-reflection. Let me ask you a few questions. Without question, individuals have hurt you. Acknowledge it. It's true. Now may I ask, how do you think about what has happened to you? In what ways have the offenses of others hindered your walk with God? Why do you let things hinder your walk? The answer to this question is wrapped up in what your treasure is. If you treasure anything more than Christ, you are in a trap. Will you talk to someone about this if you're in that trap? Will you seek help? I know that this is harder to apply depending on how long and how difficult and how complex the hurt has been. Don't beat yourself up here. Reach out for help. And if you can't find it anyone anywhere else, come to us. It would be our joy to serve you. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.